Shalom, this is Avigal Rock. Welcome to TanakhStudy.com. Today we begin Parashat Vayigash. Last class, we ended off Parashat Miketz on quite a cliffhanger. We ended off with Yehuda offering to Yosef that all brothers and Binyamin shall remain in Mitzrayim, servants to Yosef. Yosef refuses his offer. The reason Yehuda makes the offer that all of them and Binyamin shall remain servants. This way they could protect Binyamin. They could look out for Binyamin. Maybe one day they can help free Binyamin. And perhaps the reason he offers that they should all stay is because all brothers prefer to stay servants in Mitzrayim than go back home to Yaakov and tell him that, they, that Binyamin is missing. The brothers have done that once. The brothers did that 22 years ago, and the father never got over the pain of missing son Yosef, and the brothers are not willing to do that again to Yaakov. And with this, we also see an, a continuation of the development of the process of tshuva in the brothers. The brothers who, 22 years ago, were willi easily willing to give up Yosef and sell him as a slave, here, they are all willing to give up their freedom. They are all willing to give up their families, everything they have, and become servants in Egypt in order to protect Binyamin. So Yosef refuses this offer. The parasha, parashat Miketz, ends with Yosef saying, Only he who had sinned against me shall remain in Egypt. And we also discussed last class, what exactly is Yosef's motivation in trying to frame Binyamin? And we gave two complete opposing different possibilities to understand Yosef's actions here. One is that Yosef is framing Binyamin for the purpose of keeping Binyamin with him. This is an idea that was suggested and developed by Rav Yoel Binun. And Rav Yoel Binun argues that the entire story of the Gavia was in order to frame Binyamin so that Yosef has good reason to keep Binyamin with him. Yosef's plan is that Binyamin shall stay with him in Egypt to send back the family, hoping never to see them again. The other possibility, and by, that which several of the commentators follow, in some variation or another, is that Yosef here is trying to test the brothers to see, are the brothers changed people? What will the brothers do when placed in a similar situation as they were 22 years ago, when Yosef gave Binyamin extra food, extra gifts? We said it was in order to create that sense of jealousy. Are the brothers going to easily give up, especially when they have a good excuse to give him up? Or are the brothers going to arise to the occasion and stick their neck out on the line for the sake of Binyamin? So let's begin now. Parashat Vayigash, chapter 44, verse 18. Parashat Vayigash begins with Yehuda's speech, Yehuda's plea to Yosef. The speech that we're about to read is one of the most powerful, beautiful, moving speeches. The speech is a piece of art. It is a well-thought-out speech. It's very compact in relatively few verses. He has 17 verses 
In these 17 verses, Yehuda manages to compact a great deal of information in an extremely organized way. Yehuda organizes his speech in a very clear way. It's oh, even though he's there's a, several he's quoting his father, his brothers. It's Yosef. It's always clear the context of whom he's quoting and what he's quoting. He's not quoting. He's not just bringing a historical recap. He's going to be mentioning specific events that are relevant to what he is trying to accomplish with with this speech. If anybody wants to study the art of delivering a compelling speech, it would we would go to the speech of Yehuda here. So let's begin chapter 44, verse 18. Vayigash elav Yehuda, vayomer, bi Adoni, yedaber na'avdecha davar be'oznei Adoni, ve'al yichar apcha be'avdecha, ki chamocha kefar'o. In this first introductory verse, Yehuda approaches Yosef and he says, My master, allow your servant to speak in the ears of my master and do not be angry with your servant, for you are in my eyes as paro. Yehuda asks permission to speak. That's by Yigash Elab Yehuda, and he also says, I'd like to speak in your ears. That could be understood of one of two ways, either I want to speak, I want to whisper, I want to talk directly in a way that not everybody hears what I have to say, or maybe what it means I want to speak in your ears, I want my words to penetrate your ears, I want it to penetrate your heart. And we know that the words that Yudah is about to say have some harsh tone, are going to have some harsh tone, or some tone of rebuke, of criticism, which is why he ends this introductory verse by saying, and do not be angry. You only say to someone, don't be angry, if they have reason to be angry. Do not be angry at what I am saying. My words that I am saying are not being said out of any lack of respect. I value you as I value Pearl. That, so that, was, that was the introduction to his speech, and now comes the contents of the speech. The speech divides up roughly into two sections, the past and the present. Past is divided up into two, and the present is divided into two. So let's begin with the description of the past. Yehuda is taking us and Yosef back to the very first time they had arrived in Egypt. For the first time they came to buy food from Egypt from Yosef. Chapter 44, verse 2. 19. So this is the first part of the description of the past. When we had first come down, Adonishal, you, our master, had asked us, do you have a father or a brother? Now, I, as before, before, maybe before I translate, I'd just like to ask the readers to pay attention 
to certain discrepancies between the way Yehuda described the past and the way the story actually is described by the narrator. Yehuda describing the events that took place in in Parashat Miketz, chapter 42. But the way they describe it is not exactly as it happened. Some things are added, some things are changed, and some things that in their descriptions are completely deleted. So he started by saying, when we had come down, you had asked us, do you, ha do you have a father or a brother? And we had told our master that we have an elderly father and a child, a child of our father's old age, a young child, and his brother is dead, and he alone is all he is that is remained of his mother, and his father loves him. And you told your servants, bring him down to me, and I shall rest my eye upon him. And we had told our master, the Na'ar, the lad, cannot leave his father, for if he leaves his father, he shall die. And you had said to us, your servants, if your young brother does not come with you, you shall not see my face again. So let, let's first exa let's examine this section. First of all, the story did not really be the story as it really happened in Parashat Miketz did, did not begin with this, uh, with with the, with Yosef asking them, "Do you have a father or a brother?" The the meeting with Yosef actually began with Yosef accusing them of being spies, them denying them being spies, and then them adding the information that they have a brother. They don't bring in this speech of Yehuda. Yehuda does not mention at all the fact that they had been accused of spies. He doesn't mention this for two reasons. Number one, he doesn't want to bring up any negative feelings. The purpose of Yehuda's words here is to arouse within Yosef a sense of compassion and sympathy towards the elderly father in Canaan. Not, not just uh, recap all the events. Just bringing up the story of them being accused of spies will be counterproductive. Uh, more than that, Yehuda can't go on and on and on talking. Yehuda has a limited amount of time. And in this speech, he has to choose very carefully. He's only going to mention events, quotes, sentences that are directly related to the father's feeling. This is all about the father. He's not, he, the, he's not, Yudah's not making arguments about whether or not Binyamin is guilty or not guilty. It's not about Binyamin. The story here is about the elderly father who had suffered enough. Now, we also have to pay attention here. The brothers tell, Yehuda tells Yosef that you had asked us, do you have a father or a, bro or a brother? And when we read in Parashat Miketz, Yosef never asked them that. There's two ways of solving this contradiction. Did Yosef ask them? Or, are they, or is Yehuda making this up and saying, you had asked us, do we have a father or a brother? Ramban, n not here, but in uh, several other places, has the rule, divrei Torah ashirim b'makom echad v'aniim b'makom acher. The Ramban's approach is that when a story is repeated a couple of in more than one place, it doesn't necessarily have to appear in an identical form. In one place, it could be more elaborate, and in the other place, it will give us less information. And the reader needs to take the two stories and combine them together. We saw this a couple of times throughout our studies. One of the famous examples that we mentioned was in Parashat. Miketz, when the brothers come to Egypt the first time and they are put uh, in custody for a few days, the brothers talk between themselves and they say, We are guilty. We deserve punishment 
for ignoring our, our brother's cry. And we asked then, the Ramban asked, we did, where did Yosef cry? When Yosef was thrown in the pit, we don't hear him cry. And one of the answers Ramban brings there is that that the Torah might not have written it in Parashat Vayeshev when he was thrown into the pit, but it gives us this information here, and from the fact that it's written here, we assume it happened. Same thing, we could apply Ramban's answer here. It doesn't say in Parashat Miketz, when the brothers showed up in Mitzrayim, that Yosef had directly asked them, but we understand from here that that's exactly what happened, because the brothers wouldn't lie to Yosef in his face, and wouldn't tell him, you had asked us, that didn't happen, so it must have happened. But there's another possibility, and that Yosef did not ask them, do you have a father or a brother? But it was implied. From the fact that Yosef was obsessing with this brother, and insisting that this brother come down, and talked about this brother, the, bro the, the brothers understood that that's what he was interested in. So Yosef might not have asked that, but Yosef was clearly fishing for information regarding the father and the brother. So it's not incorrect to say that you had asked us. You might not have asked it in words, but you de definitely asked us in, with intention. And uh, they continue, they said, we, had an, we have an elderly father and the child of old age, and you said to us, bring, bring him down, and I shall set my eye upon him. Set my eye upon him can mean, you said you, said you would protect him, According to, Ra to Rashi, that's what it means. You said we'd protect him. Or bring him down. I shall set my eye upon him so that I can see him, which is according to Pshat. That would probably be a better interpretation. You said bring him down so that I could see that this son really exists. To which we responded, the boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves his father, he will die. Here's another case in this speech where Yehuda quotes something that had happened but when we go back to the original story we see it didn't really happen Yehuda said we had told you that the Nar cannot leave his father for if he leaves his father he will die when we go to Parashat Miketz they never told that to Yosef they might not have told Yosef explicitly that Binyamin cannot leave the father for if he leaves the father he will die he the father will die but it is something that also was implied. Where was this implied? Perhaps when Yosef tells the brothers, originally, if you remember, plan A of Yosef in Parashat Miketz, Yosef tells them, one of you is going to go back and bring the youngest one, and ten of you will remain here in Mitzrayim until he returns. And, what's, and what was supposed to happen next? They were supposed to choose one of them to go back. But no one is willing to go back. No one is go willing to be the one who's going to confront Yaakov and tell him we need Binyamin. They prefer to stay in prison, and they're in prison three days. During those three days, they all have to come up with who's going to be that one who's going to come back. And no one is willing to go. So Yosef must have been wondering, how is it that three days they can't figure out who's going to go back wouldn't we expect that everyone would want and that each and every one of them would want to go back as opposed to no one wanting to go back within the context when no one is willing to go back it must have come up the, the reason no one wants to go back must have come up uh, before Yosef and that is because uh, it would kill our father to bring our child and nonetheless you told us bring him down and do not see my face without bringing him down so that is first that is Section 1 of Describing the Past. 
what had happened in our first trip down to Egypt. This, the next section is also describing the past once they have come back home to Yaakov in Canaan to tell them they need to take Binyamin. I am beginning to read from verse 24. So Yudan now goes back to describe what happened when they had gone back to Yaakov and Canaan. And he said, we went up and we told our father everything that you had told us. And our father said, go down, bring me some food. And we had said to him, we cannot go down. If our youngest, youngest brother is with us, we will go down. For we cannot see the man without our younger brother. And our father said, you know that my wife had bore me two children. And one is missing, and one is gone, one is perhaps dead, and I, for I had said that he had been devoured, and I have not seen him since. And if you shall take this one from me, and a tragedy shall happen, it will kill me. Here, again, Yehuda is quoting something that we did not see, that we did not hear in the original conversation. In the original conversation... Yaakov never tells the brothers, you know that I only that my wife bore me two children. He doesn't refer to Rachel as his only wife. He doesn't refer, he doesn't say, I have only two children. But Yudah is not making that up. Yehud, Yaakov might not have said it in words, but he said it, but he indicated it in action. We're not told what Yaakov felt. And, and Yaakov definitely did not say such a sentence that, uh, you know, I had only two children. But Yaakov and his actions definitely indicated this. When the brothers come home and say, Shimon is in prison, Yaakov doesn't do anything about it. Had there been enough food, Yaakov would never have sent Binyamin, and Shimon would have just stayed in Mitzrayim to have wrought there. That gives the brothers the clear understanding that Yaakov's relationship with Binyamin is different than Yaakov's relationship with the rest of them. Yaakov might have not said, you know, I have to, my wife had borne me two children, but his actions show that that's what he feels. And when Yaakov says, Lo yered bni imachem, my son will not go down, he doesn't refer to the other, to Shimon as my son. To Shimon, he'll refer the other brother. He'll refer as the other brother, Achichem Acher. To Binyamin and Yosef, he refers to my son. It takes a great deal of humility for Yehuda to say this, to recognize, and to accept that Yaakov has two preferred sons, and they need to accept it. It might be painful, but they need to accept it. The next part of the of Yehuda's speech is he's going back to the now. Now he's going to describe to Yosef what's the scenario 
what will happen now, now and the future when we go back home. And that begins with verse 30. Ve'ata, and now, Kevu'il avdecha avi, v'anar eneno itanu, v'nafsho kshura b'nafsho, v'haya kiroto ki ein hanar v'met, v'horidu avdecha et seivat avdecha avinu biagon she'ola. Now when I go home, and the na'ar is not with us, and before he goes on to say what's going to happen to the father, he elaborates on the nature of the relationship between Yaakov and the Na'ar. Nafshok shurab nafshok. Their souls, their beings are bound to each other. And when he sees that the Na'ar is not there, he will die. And we would have been the ones who caused our father to die. Now what he really wants to say is, you will be the one, but that would be disrespectful. So therefore he says, we will be the ones. Now, what Yosef really, what Yudah really wants to say is, you will be the cause. You are the one that's, but he's out of respect. He doesn't say you are going to be the cause. He says, we will be the cause. But also, he does mean that they, the brothers, will be the cause. Why? Verse 32. I had taken responsibility. I had guaranteed for the Nar. And I had told my father, if I do not bring back the Nar for the rest of my life, this will be unforgivable for me. And uh, that word, Arav, is such a beautiful word here. That word, Arav, it's the, it's the word that ties us back to the story of Yehudah and Tamar. In the story of Yehudah and Tamar, when Tamar teaches him, teaches Yehudah, to look out for someone beyond himself. Tamar is the one through the Eiravon, the collateral that she takes back, that she takes from him. In the story of Yehudah and Tamar, Yehudah is, it, we see the beginning of the change of character of Yehudah, where Yehudah is willing to give up his dignity for the sake of Tamar. In this story, he's going to be willing to give a lot more than dignity. He's going to be willing to give up his life. He's willing to give up his family, willing to give up his freedom, which is another, which is why the story of Yudah is so important, because it, within the framework of the stories of Yosef, because it is the introduction, it is the beginning of the change of Yehuda's character. So you avdecha aravetanar, I had taken guarantee, and then in verse 33, and now allow for your servant to sit here instead of the Na'ar. If you recall, in the story of Yehuda and Tamar, Yehuda tells Tamar, Shavi almana beit avich. Yehuda is not willing to give Sheila to Tamar, and he tells Tamar, he doesn't look out for Tamar. He tells Tamar, you Shavi, you. He tells Tamar, you sit as a widow. Now Yehuda is willing to sit as a servant, as a slave in Mitzrayim, and the Naar. Benjamin should go back home. The first reason he brings is I have taken guarantee, and that's why I'm willing to stay here. And then, verse 34, there's another reason why he's willing to stay. The other reason I can't go up to my father 
How can I possibly go up to my father without the nar? I cannot bear to see the sadness, aggravation, pain this would cause to my father. And therefore I am willing to stay here. The Milah Mancha, the repeating word here, without a doubt, is the Milah Av, Avi, Avinu, Father, repeats itself 14 times. The purpose of Yehuda's speech here is so that Yosef has some compassion to the Abba, Avinu, the Av. We also see the way Yehuda feels about his father here. This play of words also on the word Abba, Avi, Av, when Yehudan Pasuk Lamed, verse 30, says, Kivoi, is like the tone of Abba, Avieno, I will, if I do not, Avieno, to bring, bring him. So these are play of words on Abba. So the reader, the listener, is hearing Abba, 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 Abba. And when the brothers talk so much about Abba, Yosef is going to say, Ha'od avi chai. But we'll leave that, please, God, for next class. Shalom.